0: I'm Monica and welcome to another MCAT master interview. In the series, we talk with MCAT top scorers just so that we can find out what strategies help them the most in their process and obviously inspire you as you're embarking on this journey as well, because we know how difficult it can be. So many students struggle with the MCAT, but that doesn't mean they can't find a way to achieve their dream score. So we wanna show you how top scorers are finding success so that you can do it too, because ultimately as a community, The way we help each other is by sharing tips and spreading all this knowledge that we're gaining as we go through the MCAT. So with all of that, I'd like to introduce you all to Kayla Zentmeyer. Kayla, welcome to the series and thanks so much for joining us.
1: Hi, I'm so happy to be here.
0: Yeah, we're so excited to have you and hear your story and everything. I just want to give our listeners a little bit more information about your background and everything before we start. Um, Just a month before her exam day, Kayla was scoring at a 500 on her practice exams. Although this is not a position that she wanted to be in, like a lot of us, she maintained her motivation and decided to push through to her exam. However, at this point, Kayla also realized that she didn't have to be in her final month alone, and that's when she reached out to us for help. So from there, she started working on her approach to the exam, but was still only scoring at a 503 two weeks before her exam. Still, though, she didn't let up with her prep, and even with such a short amount of time to improve, Kayla was eventually able to raise her score to a 513 by her exam date. And wow, that is so impressive. It's Thank a, so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Congratulations again on that amazing increase. It can be really difficult, especially with, you know, a short amount of time left. So I know a lot of students will be able to relate to that. So <laughs> overall, in summary, Kayla increased her score by 13 points in a month, with 10 points of that improvement happening in just the final two weeks before her exam. In this interview, we're just going to launch into understanding exactly how she achieved this, focusing on how she studied, what she did to increase her score so quickly, how she scheduled her prep, and what strategies she used for each specific section as well. So with all that, let's go ahead and get started. So Kayla, why don't you just start by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself before we get into the MCAT.
1: Sure. Okay. Hi, everyone. So I'm a recent graduate from Wesleyan University. I graduated in May. I double majored in neuroscience and behavior, as well as psychology and got a concentration in cognitive science. Um, I'm getting ready for my gap year now, which will be with the AmeriCorps. And I will be working for the Literacy Laboratory of Massachusetts, and the objective of this organization is to decrease the achievement gap in underserved communities by providing resources to those in need. So I'll be working with three-year-olds, the third graders, and I'm really excited for that, but I have another couple weeks to go. So until then, I've been working at Dartmouth-Hitchcock Medical Center as a COVID access screener.
0: Yeah. Yeah. wow yeah lots of stuff going on which is awesome congrats on graduating this um past May that's awesome Uh, (laughs) Um, and a fellow psych major too psych and several other things but I was a psychology major so respect there so (laughs) on that note what made you interested in wanting to become a doctor in the first place yeah sure
1: I mean it's actually kind of a totally random crazy story. I was actually planning on becoming a teacher until the seventh grade, but I was babysitting my neighbor and she had a three-year-old son at the time. And she was also pregnant and she started going into labor as I was babysitting and I lived. Yeah. (laughs) So like the seventh grader, I was like, Oh my God, I don't know. But, um, I live in rural New Hampshire, and my neighborhood isn't close to town at all. It's about a half an hour at the closest if you're speeding. So I ended up calling my mom as well as an ambulance. And my mom made it over to my neighbor's house before the ambulance did. And she actually ended up delivering the baby on my neighbor's kitchen floor. It's the craziest thing I'll ever (laughs) witness in my entire life, I'm sure. But (laughs) so that moment was really just so inspiring to me because she had no practice, no medical profession or anything. She was a third grade teacher. So after all that, I got super into medicine, especially OBGYN.
0: Wow. Yeah, that'll do it, I guess.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's that's so random and crazy, but. (laughs) fun. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. That is such a fun story and, and a really happy one too, like watching a baby get born. That is such a powerful and meaningful um, thing to witness and so young too. So that's really cool. So that's, that's the motivation that kind of got you on this path in the first place. So something that comes up after that is what is on this path? What do I have to accomplish to ultimately get there? So that's where the MCAT comes in. As you started your journey for the MCAT, what was going on in your life as you began your prep?
1: Yeah, so I started preparation last summer, and I was thinking I was going to take the exam last August, actually. And so I was applying for accommodations for the MCAT because I am severely dyslexic. And there are a lot of complications that are involved with accommodations for the MCAT. And this whole scenario actually led to me having to be re-diagnosed for my learning disorder which significantly delayed my MCAT exam and also was just a pretty discouraging moment. Um, Mm -hmm. But I ended up taking the exam in April of this year after my accommodations were approved. And although at first I was pretty frustrated about the whole experience and I really wanted to take it over the summer because I didn't want to have to spend my last year at Wesleyan studying for the MCAT the whole year. I'm actually super thankful that I got this extra time to study, and I think I performed a lot better because of it. But anyways, last summer when I started the whole process, I was working at Dartmouth-Hitchcock Medical Center's Simulation Center. I was working with mannequins and standardized patients to give medical learners more experience in the clinical aspects of medicine in a mock setting. So it was safe for them to make mistakes. So that was really a great learning experience. And then I also started getting involved in the access screening for COVID at that time. And yeah, um, but then after September, I went back to Wesleyan and tried to finish my degree up. And so, yeah, I ended up taking the MCAT the last semester of my senior year which wasn't the goal, but it all worked out.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sometimes you don't know where you're going to end up on the journey, but um, you just have to have to go with it, I guess. At any point in your prep, did you have a certain like score goal in mind that you were trying to reach?
1: I was really hoping to score a 510 or above since this just seems to be the magic number when it comes to being accepted in medical schools. <laughs> I don't have a dream school or one place that I can directly compare myself and try to match up to directly. But just from all the YouTube ads, you know, saying like, you got to get a 510 and all my prep stuff saying like 510 guaranteed or get your money back. I kind of had that number in my head.
0: You're right. That number really does show up a lot. So (laughs) that's definitely a good starting place, especially with the MCAT. Yeah, you can dream for like a big score but a realistic score is also good as well or just any score to really help you find success which it seems like the 510 is like marketed to be that range I guess that you need so in regard to kind of mentioned this already but there were some unplanned things that you know came up during your prep or things that changed so when you started what was your plan at the beginning for the study schedule
1: yeah um I worked at the simulation lab from 8 a.m to 4 p.m and I'd have one hour lunch break, which I spent studying during that. (laughs) And then as soon as I got home, I studied from about 4.30 to 10 p.m. every day during the summer. Pretty (laughs) tiring summer, but it got done, and it got a little more complicated when school started up again. Not gonna lie, the first semester back at Wesleyan, I definitely slacked a little more than I would have wanted with studying just because I had some really difficult prerequisites that I had to complete. So it was really hard for me trying to find a balance between when to study. So during the first semester, sometimes I would just like get in this zone and study for like 10 hours straight, just nothing else. And then there'd be days where I just did nothing. And that just like, wasn't a good idea. So once I went back home for Thanksgiving break, I created more of a organized game plan. And I said, I simply have to study four hours a day, every single day up until my exam. And I just, (laughs) it's not the healthiest technique, but like, if I get less sleep, then I get less sleep. I need to complete my schoolwork, but I need to make this a priority. So learning to balance that. And also it was kind of a good learning opportunity because you learn to be more efficient with your other schoolwork if you're taking the MCAT during the school year. So although I would have wanted to have studied material longer and I normally would have, I realized that, you know, sometimes it's just not as necessary if you're just super efficient with your time. And yeah, it, it all got done, but <laughs> it was definitely a lot.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely time management and just in general, is something that I think comes with having to take on something as big as this, whether it's learning to manage the things outside of the MCAT better or even the MCAT itself. So yeah, lots of balance required, a balance act, I guess. So kind of on that note too, was there a certain like, did you do in the beginning content only and then like transition to practice? I know a lot of students have questions about like that kind of distribution.
1: That's exactly what I did. So I started off taking a Kaplan prep course, and this was good for content. However, I really just wasn't getting the scores that I wanted to. I thought I had really mastered the content. I'm a huge Quizlet fan, so I made Quizlets (laughs) with thousands of terms, and I was getting them right every time, but it wasn't really until that last month of my studying which was also the same time that I reached out to you guys for your tutoring that I realized I cannot study content anymore and I should not. I wish so badly (laughs) that I had come to this realization before. I honestly am not sure I would have even purchased my Kaplan prep course if I had found UWorld earlier. Mm -hmm. So UWorld, the best resource I have like ever come across ever in terms of any kind of studying. So they have a ton of practice problems and it's really, really easy to learn from your mistakes because they give a lot of background information and you can just keep practicing in areas that you're not as strong. And so I also bought some practice tests. So I bought the blueprint four of those tests. And then I bought four AAMC practice exams, as well as did their um, free ungraded practice exams. So I did nine in total. And these were really, really helpful. And it was good, like just sitting down and taking it all at once. And that is definitely a strength, but UWorld really um, helps you focus in on what you need to learn and does a great job of just helping you out in every capacity for that way. So like psych, I really didn't need to focus on as much. So UWorld really helped me go into like my chem section, which was harder for me. And bio biochem was originally my hardest section, but UWorld totally changed that. So yeah, my biggest, biggest suggestion for everyone is start doing practice problems right away. Like even if you feel like you need to do some content, at the same time you can go back from your practice problems and see what content you need to learn, but start that ASAP.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm a big believer in like the importance of practice. So yeah, the earlier the better honestly sounds like a good idea. And I know you've kind of been mentioning like a lot of different resources too, which is great. Are there any resources that you didn't mention that you found to be really helpful or if you want to like emphasize any of the ones that you are <laughs> mentioned too, that's good.
1: Yeah. I definitely, you world can't emphasize it enough. (laughs) Um, I think there's also merit to trying to switch to more online practice problems with just kind of helping you with the format. So my content course with Kaplan, there were some online aspects to it, but I was mostly learning my content from books and it's just kind of a different feel. So yeah, practice problems. I did the practice problems in the books. It just wasn't the same thing definitely like the interactive aspects of online practice problems rather than this is a right and this is a wrong answer and a lot of the online practice problems whether you're taking the practice exam i found blueprint to be more helpful than the double amc practice exams because they gave really amazing explanations for why each of the options answers were wrong and why the answer was right while as double amc could sometimes give kind of vague answers and not even fully explain why an answer is wrong. So interactive online things such as Blueprint and New World were amazing.
0: Awesome, yeah, thanks for expanding on that. Yeah, The resource scene of the MCAT can be really overwhelming. (laughs) So like recommendations, honestly, are like the best way to find out about a lot of the best resources. So, (laughs) um, So moving back to your MCAT journey in general, what do you think were your biggest challenges or struggles as you were going through and how did you overcome those to, your, to get to your score that you eventually got?
1: <laughs> um, well, I've definitely mentioned time management as something that mm-hmm. I definitely needed to work on. And this was kind of a surprising thing to me because I personally am a really organized person. I've never had an issue with time management. This is something I've always kind of Felt good about myself for. Um, But when it came to MCAT, it just like came crashing down, which was just totally not great. But (laughs) also, just the fact of taking it during the school year, it was really hard for me socially because it kind of felt like an isolating process. I had friends who were applying to med schools at the time. I had friends that were also taking practice exams and getting ready for the MCAT. And it can be really, really helpful to just create a little community of support for one another. I found that really, really important because I don't know, I socially, it was really hard for me to, I was living with non-science majors and they were just having the best senior year ever. Typical, you know, (laughs) senior fun things. And I was just spending all my time in the libraries or at our house studying. And it just felt really, really isolating. So I think just going into that, knowing that although this is a really stressful time and you can feel alone, it's really important to just reach out to other people in similar positions. And I think it's also a really essential thing to tell your non-science, premed med Friends and family about the experience, although they might not be able to understand it to the full capacity of your stress and struggles, just being really open with how you're going to use your time um, socially and just having really open communication can be really helpful in maintaining your social relationships. And just understand like there are going to be times where you have FOMO, like you want to go out and <laughs> party, but you got to prioritize the MCAT. You just simply have to. And if you're going to do this during the school year, it can be really, really difficult, but having fun little breaks is really important, but definitely if you are going to have something fun, I wouldn't allow it to be some spontaneous thing that you don't know, like what time you're going to get back or anything like that. Just limit yourself, but make sure you just kind of incorporate things into your schedule that will keep you sane.
0: Right, right. It doesn't mean you can't have fun, but you definitely need to have boundaries or like discipline and things like that, um, which is also something that will help you later in life too when you have to work all the time and you need to like, yeah. it's time management <laughs> again um, is, is the thing. But I, I like what you said about a support system and a community as well, because I think that's something that people, it's easy to forget. So <laughs> glad you right. mentioned that too. So getting more into like the strategies for the MCAT, if someone wanted to increase their score like you did in like a small amount of time up to like the score that you got what strategies or methods do you think like were the most helpful for you in doing that
1: sure yeah. yes so definitely practice problems like i've been saying really really important because even though you think you totally understand a concept applying it is a totally different process and it's pretty eye opening to see just like how much further you can get into a topic by instead of just memorizing some term or a single application you know but also another thing in terms of content review that i found just so incredibly helpful and i wish i had started working on earlier were mnemonics mm. so there's this one site on youtube there's so so many great resources for mnemonics on youtube especially for biobiochem and I believe the guy's name is Ken, like mnemonic Mondays, um, something like that. And he would give like a minute long mnemonic explanation, everything of all these amazing things, especially I found that hormones and just like big processes like Krebs cycles, all those things where it's like multiple things in order just going through and having mnemonics, practicing that over and over and over can be super, super helpful. And you can make your own mnemonics too. So just like you can make it fun. Like that was something I actually look forward to. If I found a concept or a process really difficult, I would try to apply it to my life and just bring my friends' names into it and just make it something that works for you. And it makes the whole thing so much more enjoyable and also just really useful. I ended up using multiple mnemonics up to 10 times during the actual MCAT for the bio biochem. So just look online for mnemonics for those kinds of things. And it's crazy, crazy helpful.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's something that's, again, so easy to overlook, but it's so like, it's right there in front of you, right? And um, there's so many resources and, and ideas that people come up with that can help you. So yeah, definitely utilize what you can there. You alternate.
1: know what? I just, remember, go. Go <laughs> I just remembered one strategy that really helped me um, <laughs> with <laughs> increasing my time. So I'm a super, super slow reader. I'm dyslexic, whatever. Even with my time accommodations, I'm incredibly slow. One thing that really made the difference for me was I realized that you don't always have to read the full prompts to answer questions. And this is especially the case for Ken Fizz. So there are a lot of questions that you can answer that are just entirely related to content, unrelated to the prompt. Um, and this saved me so much time. When I first started taking uh, my practice exams, I just could not finish this section for the life of me. And once I found this little strategy, I finished every single time, and usually had some time to left, like look over and check everything. So that's that's another strategy. <laughs>
0: No, awesome. I'm glad you cut it. Like more strategy mm-hmm. better, and timing is a huge thing too. So always, always down to hear more about that. So, was there anything else that that you wanted to mention? That no, I'm sorry okay. for cutting off. <laughs> no, I just wanted to double check, give you one more um, <laughs> opportunity. So, eventually, in your prep, you did decide to get tutoring from us. So, what kind of led you to that decision?
1: Sure. Yeah. So. Like you said in the little intro, I was getting scores low 500s, 500 to 503. The highest I actually got um, was a 507, and that was the week before my exam. Mm -hmm. I was so proud of my 507 because it just was so much higher. So then getting my 513 the next week was just the best thing in the world. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But so my friend told me about MCAT Mastery, and she was also taking the MCAT. And so this just kind of ties into the whole having a community of resources can be just so, so helpful. And you'll learn so much more. And group effort is always going to be better than doing something on your own. So my friend suggested it. And I started right away because I was super desperate to get any kind of improvement that I could. And so I did this the last month before my exam. And I'd say The biggest thing I got from this was learning about concept diagrams, especially for the bio biochem, Uh, drawing those out can be really helpful in order to better understand how everything is connected to each other. So like how an enzyme will affect a part of the body or whatever, just lots of arrows, making sure anytime some crazy name or abbreviation is mentioned, you know how it connects to the other parts of the prompt. And then it was also just really great to connect with another student who had recently taken the MCAT, getting their advice and just having moral support because, you know, as I mentioned, the MCAT can be a really isolating process.
0: Yeah, definitely. That's something we're really big about too, is just like having tutors who can relate to students on Mm -hmm. that front and build that moral support on top of like the strategies as well that like you mentioned, they're both really, really important. Yeah, where God tutoring you know was able to be a part of that. Um. So yeah. So getting into the specific sections now, starting with psychos. That was your high score, where you got a one thirty one, which is amazing. How did you study for that section? Um. And what advice would you have for students who might be struggling with it?
1: Yeah, sure. So I majored in neuro and psych, as I mentioned in college. So I had a stronger foundation to start with for this section. I think my social psychology course prepared me the best for this. So if students have the time to take this course after hearing this or just do some extra reading or whatever have you on social psych, definitely suggest. Um, so unlike the chem and the bio sections, I did find that the best way to study for this was through making a big Quizlet because instead of more abstract application like I found it would be with the biochem and chem phys I found that a lot of this was just memorizing terminology like a couple key words to really tune into like functionalism and there's a couple big social psych words that they always ask about so yeah Quizlet was really big for this mnemonics came into play Doing practice problems is also super important, especially if this is something you're struggling with. But I think I was just lucky that my interests really coincide with this part of the exam. And then one thing I did notice, so in my nine practice exams, almost everything was covered through my social psychology class and sociology, which I didn't end up taking. But A lot of overlap between social psych and sociology. However, on my actual MCAT exam, I found that there was a good amount of neuroscience on it as well. And I hadn't prepared for this since I hadn't received a single neuroscience question during my practice exams, but I was really fortunate just by the fact that I majored in it. (laughs) But going off of my personal exam for the MCAT, I would be familiar with the I. As well as the visual pathways to the brain. Just having that as a background, because all the neuroscience questions, I think I had like five or six related to the eye on my exam, which every exam is different, but just anyone out there that gets a similar (laughs) exam, just something to know. But definitely focusing on primarily social psychology for this section would be great.
0: Yeah, I love that breakdown of what kind of course areas. That someone might want to focus on. That's really helpful, so that they can have more focus <laughs> studying. So your next two high scores were 128s in cars and bio-bio. So let's start with cars because a lot of students struggle with this section. So how did you study there, and what advice would you have?
1: So this is definitely not something I've heard from others, but I actually didn't actively study for cars um, besides taking the practice exam sections because. I found that although there could be types of questions like history versus like getting towards the tone, it's pretty hard to just work on practice problems for this and have it apply. I think timing is more important or it was for me with this section and what worked the best for me. I only finished the car section once my entire time. And that was during the actual MCAT. <laughs> so, my nine <laughs> practice exams, I did not finish the car sections. And I was previously working off what I had heard, working on the easy sections first and then going to the hard section, saving those for last. But I found that this actually really didn't work for me because I'm a really generally pretty anxious person. And the times where I was focusing on the easiest sections first, and then going to the long sections, I found that I just didn't have enough time. And I was super flustered and anxious trying to get all these super long questions and answers done in time. And so that really stressed me out. But what I found actually helped me a ton was going through the hard things first and just... Focusing in because I had more time to look at when I saw the timelines and was going back, I'd be like, okay, I still have all this time. This is all working out. And the reason why I ended up finishing was because that's just the way my MCAT was formatted. All the hard, long sections were first, but by the time I was at the end of the section, it was just the shorter passages. This was entirely by luck. But since the passages were shorter and I had some easier ones at the end, even though I didn't have as much time, I wasn't nearly as stressed and I was able to zoom through those. So I've heard a lot of different techniques and I've heard a lot of people say, start with the easy first, but it worked out better for me the other way around. So
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's just a testament to everyone is different. And just because you do something differently than someone else doesn't mean that it's not effective or it can't be successful although there are some like proven things that maybe no one is doing which but that's great advice for people who might be in the same situation so moving on to bio bio then where you also got a 128 so um how did you study for this section and what advice would you have there
1: sure so this was the section I had the most improvement there was one of my exams I got a 121 on this and it was just the saddest thing because I didn't know what to do but The concept diagrams are really, really helpful. Just making sure if you come across some big long word and then the abbreviation, like make sure you make the connection that those are the same thing, as well as just like drawing arrows and understanding how all the little pieces fit together. Super, super important. There were some questions like I was saying for the chem phys section that I could just answer based off of content, just knowing the background behind the question. Without having to look at the prompt. So that was something useful for me. But my biggest suggestion again, practice problems because you don't really know what you don't know until you come across it. And that was huge. You world, I completely <laughs> just thank so much. <laughs> I'm so grateful for it. definitely suggest that resource. But also the mnemonics really came into play. All the different cycles, the reactants and products you can find so many different mnemonics for as well as the hormones. I had a ton of hormone questions and it wasn't actually until the night before that I was finding all these mnemonics for hormones and it just so happened to have like a lot of questions about it. So mnemonics are a really efficient way to learn because they're super quick, but they cover a lot of content.
0: Right, exactly. Again, efficiency and managing the time that you do have left. And I will say that the sciences in general, like Bio, bio and chem and fizz, which we'll get to in a second. A lot of students do struggle with the content on these sections and like learning how to apply all of that. So maybe like mnemonics can be something at least that can help <laughs> um, among the other things that you said. So lastly, we have chem and fizz. So kind of like cars, a lot of students do end up struggling with this section. So how did you study for this section? Yeah, so
1: this was the most frustrating thing about my actual real MCAT exam. I am very happy with my score. I'm very proud of myself. However, my chem phys section on all of my practice exams was my second highest. I was regularly scoring in like 128, 129 for these sections. So at the 126, I was kind of bummed. But my biggest takeaway from this, so what helped me in all the practice exams was going through you don't have to read all the prompts look for the questions that you don't need to constantly refer back to the passage there's some things you simply have to memorize especially when it comes to organic chemistry which a lot of my practice exams emphasized something that if i had to go back and study again i did not focus on physics nearly enough my mcat exam was very very heavily physics related and I just totally didn't place enough studying time on it to be completely transparent. I focused on chemistry and organic chemistry and biochem for these sections, and I was really good at them. And I was kind of preparing for a quarter or less of physics, and all my practice exams had had very few. So I was like, oh, okay, this isn't the best way to use my time. I should focus on what I'm going to have more questions on. But it was a good wake-up call of being like, you know, you never you never know, you might have more physics. So definitely don't knock it, even though chem and organic chemistry are usually what's highlighted on the MCAT.
0: Yeah, there are always other things and things to know for each section, like, again, about the distribution of what's going to be covered and how to get those extra points, if you can, on a section like this. So that, yeah. that makes a lot of sense. So moving on now to like your experience of the MCAT itself. So um, walk us through your, your MCAT Test day. How was it for you?
1: <laughs> so I'm pretty anxious in general. All of my MCAT practice exam days, I was always freaking out. But I actually found that on the day of my exam, I just accept him, like, you know, I really can't do anything about it. Like, I just have to try. And coming to the realization, although it's super easy to hear, but really hard to internalize, is like, once you get there, it's just a waste of time, distress. You can't really get that much. Don't try to cram that morning unless you want to look over your mnemonics, which I suggest, but that's (laughs) a little simple review. You kind of just have to recognize your stress on exam day is just going to take up more time from you and won't allow you to answer to that capacity that you have. So just take it as if it's like, you know, this is just like another practice. We're just going to see what happens. You know, there's always another time. This is just a fun learning opportunity. Woohoo. Make sure you listen to your favorite, like, hype song. That really helped me. (laughs) Make sure you're super hydrated. I suggest bringing Gatorade for your your break because that'll keep you awake and it's healthy. You know, electrolytes, great. (laughs) Yeah, so, yep, just try to relax. I somehow was able to do it, and I think that probably was a huge reason I had such a big increase was because I was freaking out during all my practices, but during the actual thing, like, okay, it's fine. And yeah, so just try to <laughs> internalize that, like you can do it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Acceptance almost. <laughs> yeah. And that just goes to show too, that you kind of were aware of all the work that you had put in and like what yeah. the journey meant to get there. So maybe it's good to be in that kind of place once you get there yeah. even though it is such a nerve-wracking journey on the way <laughs> Speaking of nerve-wracking, after you got out of the exam, how was it waiting for your score to come back?
1: Oh my gosh. So okay, I took my exam April 30th and my scores came out June 1st. And so as you guys probably know, the first day you can kind of like send in your primary applications for medical schools around like May 27th. So I had already applied to all of the schools (laughs) that (laughs) I was intending on applying to, which is really, really, really scary. So one piece of advice, I probably, unless you're in a crazy weird circumstance like accommodations or whatever have you, try to get your exam scores before (laughs) you send in your primary application because i ended up applying to such a wide range i applied to 44 schools just because i had no idea what kind of score i was going to get and unfortunately the scores do have such a important part of how you're evaluated you know so i was pretty i was pretty stressed i had no idea i was hoping to get my 507 since that was the best i had done on practice exam the week before but i was anticipating a lower score since I was mostly scoring around a 503, with my lowest of a 500. So I was definitely stressed. Um,
0: (laughs) Yeah, wasn't great, but it all it worked out. Yeah. So then you got your score back, and that was everything that you thought it was gonna be.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I I restarted my computer twice because I just (laughs) didn't believe it. Um, It was really, really rewarding and just really great to see something. That you work so hard on actually work out because I was just expecting doom. (laughs) To be honest, yeah, it was really rewarding.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's the culmination of such a a difficult journey, so that must have felt amazing. And congratulations again on that score. It really, really is an awesome accomplishment. Thank you so much. (laughs) Yeah. So I know you mentioned you're you're taking a gap year and you're going to be doing Americorps after that. What are you planning to do? You said OB GYN, right? Are you still
1: thinking? Yeah. About that? So I'm definitely interested in doing that. I had a couple volunteer abroad experiences where I was working in Jamaica's Mandeville Regional Regional Hospital as a volunteer, and I worked in the yeah. maternity ward. That was one of the best experiences I've ever had. Extremely, again, rewarding, and yeah. So I think OB. Yeah. And, or pediatrics, also something that sparks my interest, but probably OBGYN. And I'm hoping to volunteer in some clinics in underserved communities, as well as do a lot of volunteer work with schools in the under-resourced areas to provide a better sexual education supplement to students, because there's so much research just supporting like in countries such as Norway, where they're more sexually permissive and they talk about sexuality and safe sex a lot earlier, as early as like kindergarten for some places in Europe, there are a lot fewer unplanned pregnancies as well as sexually transmitted infections and diseases. So just going into schools and kind of giving student, informing them about safe choices and just expanding about this whole sexual health arena I'm hoping can make a difference.
0: Yeah, definitely. That's so cool and interesting, and I feel like it's great based on what you've done in the past and where you want to go. It's like all of these things are really related, and that shows that you're doing what you're passionate about, which is amazing. <clears throat> um, so, congratulations again on your score, and I think that is all we had time for in regard to questions for the interview. So, thanks for like going through all of that. Before we end, do you have any? Final thoughts, I guess, for anyone who might be listening to this and is feeling discouraged about the MCAT because we've all been there.
1: Yeah, seriously. My biggest thing is even if your score goal just seems completely unattainable, don't act like it's unattainable. Just act like everything you're doing is a part of a big process. And each little thing that you do is an accomplishment. And you got to recognize and validate yourself for all of your efforts and, you know the only time that you're actually failing is when you give up so even though you're getting discouraging scores every now and then just know that it's possible i was in the same position so many people are you can take the exam again if you really need to anyways but amazing things can happen in such a little amount of time of all the people i've talked to there's always been like two weeks right before the exam there something magical happens and like <laughs> you connect with it a little more and just it clicks so even if you're getting down on time also know that like if things aren't clicking in those past like two weeks rescheduling is always an option and so i was going to take my exam last august and i can guarantee that i was so much better prepared having taken it later so just know you have options but you're gonna do it at some point you got it <laughs>
0: exactly (laughs) well thank you so much again kayla for answering all of our questions and just walking us through your journey and finally to all of our listeners as well good luck with studying kayla and i both believe in you and you guys got this hey everyone this is monica again and before you go i just want to remind you that if you're not receiving our daily free mcat strategy and success story emails yet definitely be sure to sign up for those at mcatmastery.net free course In addition to that, if you feel like you might need personalized help with the exam and would like to have an MCAT mentor look at your situation and help you identify exactly what's holding your score back, you can look into that too at MCATmastery.net slash mentors. And lastly, and most importantly, We just want you guys to know that you have what it takes to succeed on this exam. We know the MCAT is intimidating, and when you get a score that's lower than you expected on a practice or on the real thing, it's so easy to feel discouraged or frustrated or even hopeless about the exam. We get it, a lot of us have been there. So we wanna give you the guidance that we wish we'd had when we were in your shoes. And that's what these interviews are for. That's what our emails are for. We want you guys to be able to feel confident again. And most importantly, be able to see that med school admission is possible and it's not out of your reach at all. So thanks again for listening. And remember that every top scorer, every med student and every doctor made it through this journey. So you can do it too. You guys got this.